0: This morning and if you would let's stand and turn to John chapter number first John chapter number four first John chapter number four and I hope that as our hearts have been prepared by the music this morning that we would always remember what the Lord has done for us I know that as a church there are five or six times throughout the year that we observe one of the two ordinances and that is the Lord's table and when we do that Jesus said do this as often as you will in remembrance of me. And let's never forget what the Lord's done for us. And we looked at that in our Sunday school hour this morning as we remember Jesus' journey to the cross. And uh, as we continue here this morning, just a little, if you wanted to call it, mini-series leading up to our missions conference. And uh, I just couldn't shake this idea of reach As we think about each one reach one, last week we looked at the difference that Jesus makes. Jesus makes all the difference, amen? As you think about that, then this morning we're going to look at how love makes the difference. And you'll see this from our passage this morning in 1 John chapter number 4. If you'll find your place there either in your Bible or in the notes, you can follow along. Beginning in verse number 9, the Bible says, "...in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and gave, sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another." No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And let's have a word of prayer as we begin this morning. Lord, thank you again for your love. And I pray that we would see this morning the magnitude of it. Lord, use your word in our hearts today. Thank you for those that have come to visit with us today. I pray that you would bless their time here also. And Lord, may we truly meet with you this morning and know of your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. And as you're as you're having a seat this morning, I know that sometimes in life it it's as if we don't feel the love that we think we should feel. Sometimes, as even our family and friends are around us, we just don't feel loved. Kind of reminds me of years ago, there was a story about the UCLA football coach. His real name was Pepper Rogers. Pepper Rogers was going through, a, like some coaches do from time to time, a terrible season, football season, and they just seemed to be losing one game after another. It could have been just like the Miami Dolphins, I guess. But the, uh, the fans, and I've noticed this, fans simply just, they don't like coaches that lose. They were struggling with the way the season was going, and the more they lost, the more uh, Coach Pepper Rogers felt pain. I mean, it was with each loss that... It seemed like more and more people were just giving him a hard time. And he went on to say that later during the season that his dog was his only true friend. The only friend he had in the world was his dog. And he went to his wife and he said to his wife, you know, sweetheart, he says every man needs at least two friends. And his wife, you know what she did? She went out and got him another dog. (laughs) sometimes we're kind of like Coach Rogers, we just don't feel loved, it's as if no one loves us, and in the world we live in, we look around and we see some of the things that are going on, and we've witnessed a lot of the devastation, especially here in this part of the country, if you've watched the weather over the last week, you see all the things that are going on, there are wildfires that are taking place, we've seen Reports over the years of tsunamis, uh, certainly a lot of mass shootings that have taken place, and you see all of this, and you, it's as if we wonder about the love of God. You see all of this, and you wonder, where is God's love in all of this? How could all this be taking place? But can I turn your eyes to First John 4, 8 there in your notes? The Bible says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is what? see the very nature of God. He is personified by love. God is love. It's part of his distinct person. It is who he is. It is his being. And this morning, I want you and I, from 1 John chapter number 4, I want you and I to see how God does love us. God loves you this morning and that God has not only, uh, God not only loves us, but God has revealed that love that he has to us in an amazing way. He wants to use us, you and I, to be a manifestation of his love in this current day that we live in. Now, you might not think of yourself or think of your life in that way, but it is true that God has revealed his love to us. And he wants us then to reveal that love to others. So notice as we look at 1 John chapter number 4, the manifestation of love. In other words, how have we witnessed or seen God's love? Well, notice we have seen it in a personal way, a personal manifestation. Look back in verse number 9 as we go through this passage. The Bible says here in the beginning of verse 9, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. Now the word manifested means to be visible, to make visible or known something that might have been hidden before, something that was unknown, but God has revealed it, God has made it known to us. There was a little girl, she was in Sunday school and she was really like a little girl would do, she was concentrating as she was drawing a picture in Sunday school, and her teacher asked her in Sunday school, she said, what are you drawing there? And the little girl looked up at her teacher, and she said, well, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher, kind of thinking about what the little girl said, said, sweetheart, as we read in our passage this morning, she said, no one knows what God looks like. No one has ever seen God. And the little girl said, well, they will now. She was that confident that what she was putting on that paper was her idea. Now look, a lot of times you see, it, maybe some of you might even in your home, I've seen people that, that either sell or put on the, the internet or people that purchase in a store pictures of Jesus. No one's ever seen Jesus. It's maybe a, something that in their mind, if if this is what, to them, Jesus like that little girl, what Jesus would look like, but the fact is no one has ever seen God, but God has made known to us in a personal way his person and his love through who? Jesus Christ. God has revealed his love to us. He has personally manifested his individual love. Again, look at verse number nine. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. God manifested, he revealed what was unknown to us, it was revealed to us, the Bible says, God's love is towards us. God loves you this morning. Look, whether you believe it or not, the fact remains, God loves you. And I'm going to tell you something, that you ought to take great comfort in that. 1 John 4, 19, we love Him, why? Because He first loved us. God's love is different than our love. Before we ever thought about God, before you ever knew God, God loved you. The songwriter wrote these words, Could we with the ink the ocean fill, were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole those stretch from sky to sky. O oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints' and angels' song. As that songwriter wrote that, listen, can I tell you this morning that God had already planned to give His Son to die for our sins. It was an individual love. But notice also, it's a manifested sacrificial love. Because when we think about how the Bible says in verse number 9, it was manifested toward us. Look at, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world. Let's, let's say those words together. His only begotten Son. Now think about that. Because God's love responded to our need. We are sinners. And as we think about this, Romans 5:8, God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his only begotten Son. Now, why did God use those words? Well, those words, only begotten, speak of the eternal relationship between the Father and the Son. It speaks of Jesus being uniquely exalted in the Trinity as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Look at these words. If you remember the passage with Abraham and his son Isaac. And remember, Isaac was the son that God had promised to Abraham. And then God delivered on that promise. We know that all of God's promises are true so notice what the Bible says in Genesis 22. Look at verse number two. And he said, take now thy son, look at these words, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. Look over in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. It's talking there about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, same passage back in Genesis 22. When he was tried, he offered up Isaac. The Bible says, and he that had received the promises offered up read those next two words his only begotten son so two times god calls isaac his only begotten son and we know look you study the word of god here's what you find abraham had other sons but when you look at this portion here why was isaac referred to as his only begotten son and it was because that isaac had a relationship with Abraham that no one else could have. He had a special relationship. It was a relationship, as you think about this, Isaac, according to the promise of God, Isaac was conceived miraculously. Remember, Abraham was a pretty old guy, was he not? And it was, listen, he was way beyond, and his wife was way beyond the years of childbirth. I'm going to tell you something. If God gave me a child that late in life, I think I would have just died right there but he was the son of promise. Now, when you think about what the Bible's talking about here in 1 John, you know, we see Isaac's relationship, but God speaks of his son, Jesus, miraculously. What we see here is that this was also something unique. It was a one and only relationship. Jesus Christ is the anointed son of of God. Uh, Harry Ironside said this The only begotten Son tells of our blessed Lord in the past eternity as one person of the adorable Trinity in eternal relationship with the Father. Others are sons by creation, as Adam was, or by the new birth, as believers are, but He, Jesus, alone is the unique Son. God was manifesting his love to us by sending his only begotten son. Look at 1 John 3:16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Romans 8:32, he spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. Jesus is the personal manifestation of God's love. It was something that was unknown. That's why God sent his son. All those years, all those Hebrews waited for the coming of the Messiah. Remember last week we looked at the woman at the well and how she did not know and she says, hey, listen, when he does come, he's gonna tell me. And Jesus said, I that speak unto thee am he. And so God sent his son, Jesus, who was the personal manifestation of God's love. He came personally. He lived on this earth. He, he walked among people. And the Bible says that he gave his life. He shed his blood that we might have eternal life. And then he died for our sins. And so notice that as we think about this love, that it, that it is a personal manifestation. But notice, secondly, it's an eternal manifestation. Go back to verse number nine. Look at the verse again. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world. Here it is that we might live how? Through him. Now think about those words, because it says that we might live through him. It is something that what God is describing here that transcends this lifetime. It's talking about even the next. You see, it's talking about something that is eternal, that we might live. It's talking about eternal life that only comes through God. As we consider this, look, it's, it's, it's talking about an unending life, that's in an eternal state. That's why Jesus refers to it many times in the New Testament as everlasting life, eternal life. Look, it's something that is forever. Why? Because God is the one that gives us that life. The scriptures say to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. See, eternal life is through this manifested one, Jesus Christ the one that God has made known to us, eternal life is not through the baptismal waters. Eternal life is not through the sacraments, and it's not through a church. Eternal life is through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at 1 John 5.20. We saw this even in Sunday school. We know that the Son of God is come. Notice there, he is come. We're not waiting for him to come. He already has been here. We celebrate that at Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And John goes on to say, and he hath given unto us an understanding that we may know him. That is true. There's a lot of religions today that say you can't know God. Listen, I'm going to tell you, if you hold a copy of God's word in your hand, the Bible this morning, that's God's words, that's not man's words, and God gave that to you so that you might know him. These things have I given unto you. I've written them unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. And John writing here, notice again, he says that he's given us an understanding that we may know him and that he that is true, that we are in him that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God, eternal life. See, Jesus is The true God, he is eternal life. The very words God and Jesus, they are words that are synonymously used. In other words, God's son, Jesus, is the true God. That's what the Bible tells us, that Jesus alone can give eternal life. Folks, he said it himself, I am the way. The truth and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way is through Jesus Christ. See, you must be talking here about eternal. Jesus is eternal God. You have to be eternal to offer something that is eternal. And Jesus was offering something that he could fulfill, and that's exactly what he did. He was the manifestation of God's love, and that manifestation is found in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen this morning? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Where would we be without Jesus? You see, I see the manifestation of his love. But notice I see, secondly, as John writes on, I see the mercy of love. Now look at verse number 10. Look at the first word. Herein is love. In case we didn't know what it was or where it was, here he says. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, as you look at the first part of that verse, notice that there's an order that God gives when you think about the mercy of love. See, the love was initiated by God. The Bible says again in 1 John four nineteen, we love him because he first. See, you didn't love God before he loved you. He loved you before you ever loved him. I know this, that many times God was reaching out to me. I didn't know it at the time, but when I looked back over, I could see God God trying to love me and God shedding his love toward me. Look, before our hearts even started beating, according to this verse, God knew us and God loved us. So the love was initiated by God. But this love, here's the order, it not only was initiated by God, but here's the second part of the order, it was personalized by God. Look back in verse number 10, the first part initiated. It says here that he loved us, but watch this. Then he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, when I look at that, I I think of John 1, 14, because look at the verse says, the word, notice the capital W talking about Jesus himself. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. See, the love of God, the mercy of God, it was initiated by God, but it was personalized by God. God sent his son in order that we might know the mercy of God. See, I see the order, but then notice in the last part of verse number 10, I see the outcome. What was the outcome of Jesus coming? What? Well, look at it again, that he might be the propitiation for our sins. That's a big word. Let's take a look at that word this morning. Here's what it literally means. It's an appeasing, a satisfactory payment. Now remember, God is a holy God. He's a just God. And because we are sinners, remember the wages of sin. There's a price tag that comes along with sin. See, God had to judge our sins. And because we're sinners, notice that Jesus is the propitiation. He's the satisfactory payment for our sins. Jesus appeased God's just demands for our sins. God, again, is holy and he's just. God cannot allow Look, God is in heaven today. Here's the question. Is there sin in heaven? Well, then sinners can't go to heaven something has to happen in their life in their heart in order for them to go into the presence of god in heaven and so as we think about this there had to be a covering for sin jesus became that covering he's the propitiation what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus. You think about what Jesus did, his sacrifice, the whole world, as you think about his life, has a covering for sin. The covering of Jesus Christ is a universal provision. Notice 1 John 2, 2, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only. The Bible says for the sins of the whole world. God so loved the world clearly Jesus loves the world his blood covers all who believe anyone that would come to him by faith that can have their sins forgiven this covering is not only a universal provision but it is a righteous provision God in his love listen God found a way for his righteousness to be appeased for there to be a satisfactory payment for sin And that came through the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Romans chapter 3. Being freely, justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Do you see the mercy of God's love this morning? How that it is through the shedding of Jesus's blood. And clearly we see the love of God was manifested to us through Jesus Christ and we see the mercy of God's love is through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ how Jesus was the satisfactory payment of a just God. But then notice thirdly this morning, the mission of love. Because the world, when you look around it, this world we live in has a strange way to define or to speak about love. Their definition of love is definitely not the same as God's. Because in this passage, 1 John chapter 4, God's not talking about a sensual love. God's not talking about a a friendship type of love. Look at verse number 11. Beloved, if God so loved, notice it doesn't just say if God loved us. If God so loved us, look at these words, we ought also to do what? Love one another. See, God loved us, but we ought to love one another. That's a deeper kind of love. Ephesians chapter 2, look at it. If you are in Christ this morning, the Bible says we are his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That notice which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. This morning, as you think about your life, if you love the Lord, then the outward mission of your life should be being displayed. In other words, if God loved you, then you ought to love others. That's what the Bible says here. So what is the basis of this mission? In other words, why in the world, pastor, do we need to love other people? Upon what do we base this command that we are to love one another? Well, the basis of this command to love one another is based on this love that he had. It was his example to us. We looked at this verse again this morning, John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this. There's not been a greater display, greater example of love, that when Jesus laid down his life for us. Jesus is saying, look, I've tried to show you by my life, by my example, how to love other people. Look, folks, I'm going to tell you, if you read the Bible, you don't have to say, well, I don't know how to love other people. Just look at the example of Jesus. He has shown us how to love others, and it means that if we're going to love them, we've got to lay aside what we could have done. It is us being willing to love with the same kind of love Jesus did, a sacrificial love. The basis of this love is not only His example to us, but notice it's also based on His command to us. Look at Mark chapter 12, verse 29. The Bible says, Jesus answered, the first of all the commandments is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. That's the first commandment, to love God with every fiber of your being. But look at the second one. The second is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. See, you might be here this morning saying, listen, I love God. And honestly, that's wonderful if you love God. But do you love others? That's the question this morning. Because as we look at his example, we understand that not only beyond that example, but then we see his command That we are yes to love God there is uh, Jesus here is placing loving him and loving our neighbors in the same place you can't really love God or love Jesus without loving others you can't say this morning I love God when you are bitter with your spouse when you're not getting along with your neighbor when you're having problems with those at work, work because the Bible says that if you love God you'll love others See, God says the basis for this mission, here it is, that I loved you. And the same way that I loved you, you should go love others with that same love that I have loved you. I think about this mission, the basis of it is that we need to love with a God kind of love, an agape love. But notice not only the basis of the mission, but notice the behavior of this mission in verse number 12. The Bible says, no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is what? Perfected in us. Only if we love God and we love others. Now, As you look at this behavior, again, I really believe as you study the word of God, here's what you find is that as Christians, we are to be the visible evidence to this world of God's love. And since God cannot be seen, as it says here in verse number 12, no man has seen God at any time. Since God cannot be seen, then we are to be the manifestation. We are to be what people see. And people ought to see God's love in us and God's love through us. Our hands should become His hands. Our feet should become His feet. I think we would all agree that this world doesn't need government, this world needs God's love. That's what this world needs. When we behave this way, notice it is love perfected. As it says there in verse number 12, the word perfected means to make perfect or complete. It means to bring to a purpose, goal, or an end result. We become the love of God. God's love is perfected through us. Notice it is love perfected, but when we also behave this way, it is love practiced because our love needs to be like His. Our love, a lot of times what we want to do is, well, I love you if. God doesn't have an if in His love. God's love is unconditional. That's why when we come together in the bonds of holy matrimony, the Bible says, therefore, what God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Don't let man divide what God's done. And as we think about God's love, listen, we need to be practicing God's love unconditionally. God, listen, has God ever stopped loving you? And we ought not to stop loving others. We ought to have that same love for one another. God commands us to love one another. Ephesians five twenty five. Look at this. And I know a lot of times, ladies, look at it. The first word is husbands, but look at the whole verse. Husbands, love your wives. Here it is. The example. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself. That's how much he loved us. The church is not a building. The church is the people of God. The greatest example, listen, yes, for us as husbands in that verse is, we ought to love our spouse, our wife, as much as Jesus. Well, how much did Jesus love the church? How much did he love the people of God enough to give himself for them? That's how we are to love. That's love practice. Learn to love just like Jesus loved. In other words, imitate. There's nothing wrong with imitating Jesus. The Bible says we're Christians. That means to be like Christ. Listen, God says it's okay if you want to go ahead and and be exactly like my son, that you would be conformed to his image. The Bible tells us in, in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Here it is. Here's the proof. If you have love one for another. Now the question is this, how then can we continue to love others? How is that possible, to love people the way God loved us? Well, I'm glad you asked. The answer to that question is, you can't. You say, Pastor, I thought you told us that we were supposed to. You can't, but God can. Look at verse 13. <clears throat> the Bible says, Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and that, look at this, he Where? In us. us, Because He hath given us what? He's given us His Spirit. See, when you got saved, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, and I I pray that everyone here this morning is is saved, they have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But when a person trusts Christ as their Savior, at that moment, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence. He dwells in in us. We call this the indwelling of the Spirit. You receive God's Holy Spirit. Say, I I don't know if I can love other people. You can't love them the way God loves them. But remember, there is someone in you that can, and that is God's Holy Spirit. As we think about this verse, listen, it's so important that it is God working through us, God's Holy Spirit in us. Look what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Notice that, unfeigned love of the brethren, That seeing that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Folks, the only way that happens is that we understand that it is God working in us And it is God working through us. Why? Because he wants his love to be manifested to this world. God is calling us to enter into this mission of his love. And God wants us to be the manifestation of his love. Listen, as we think about what John was writing here in 1 John, he was clearly saying that Jesus, as the Son of God, is the manifestation of God's love. And because of his sacrifice we've received of the mercy of God's love so that we, as we receive that mercy, then we too can fulfill the mission that God has given to us. What is that mission? And it is to spread the love of God to this world that we live in. I love this little statement somebody made years ago, whoever loves much does much. Do you love God this morning? And if you do love God this morning, do you love others the way that you should? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder this morning if you know the Lord is your Savior. Can you say that there's been a time, a place in your life that you've put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone? I I think there's no way that after hearing a message like this, how many times that John wrote about the love of God? That he loved you before you ever loved him. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, the sin in your life this morning, do not believe the lie of the devil. The simple truth is this, God loves you. And he loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin. The Bible says God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. The Bible says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's God's promise, not this church's. I wonder this morning if there's someone here today that would be honest with God. I've never had a time in my life. I've heard the message this morning. I guess I never realized how much God loved me. But God has made it perfectly clear this morning. And I've been looking at my life. I've been thinking that, listen, I've done this and this and this. And God could never love me. God could never save me. But this morning, God showed me that I can be saved because he loved me. Jesus gave his life for me. And this morning, I want to put my faith in Christ. If that's you this morning, I'm not saved. But I'd like to put my faith in the Lord Jesus so that I can have eternal life. Would you slip your hand up this morning? I'm not saved, but I want to be saved. Just raise your hand. You can put it right back down. Anyone at all this morning. I've never had a time, but I I hear the message this morning from God's word. And I see how much he loves me. You can put your hand up and right back down. And all of you that that did not raise your hand, I pray that you know Christ as your Savior. How many of you as a testimony could slip your hand up? I am saved. I know Christ is my Savior. Many hands across this auditorium. This morning we ought to be thankful for God's love. God's love came to us in the form of his son Jesus. And it's because of God's mercy that we did not receive what we really deserved. And that was death and hell. And God's mission for us that are saved is that we would be a visible representation of God's love. How many of you by an upraised hand this morning would say, with God's help, I want to follow this command. I want to show God's love to others around me. Would you raise your hand this morning? Many hands are going up. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your love and in the form of your son. I pray that you would help our church collectively, Lord, to to just give our lives to be used by you to show your love to this lost and dying world, to this world that hates you, that's an enemy with you. God, use us that they might see your love, that they might see your son, Jesus. Bless the invitation, Lord. I pray that as you have spoken to hearts, that they would respond this morning to this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. With our heads-